All right, guys, what's up? Welcome to the Ardella Training Podcast, where we strive to bridge the gaps in strength, performance, and injury prevention. My name is Scott Ardella, your host, and welcome to episode number 214. In this week's episode, you're going to hear from Dr. Kathy Dooley. She is a renowned chiropractor and anatomy expert. I'll tell you all about her in just a minute. And you're going to learn why knowing our anatomy is so critical to our performance, our training performance. And it's so central to everything that we talk about here on the podcast. So this is a really interesting episode and you're going to hear about and learn about some great resources here in this week's episode. As a matter of fact, I do want to make a recommendation right now and that is to check out a learning resource titled The Immaculate Dissection. And that is uh, part of what we talk about here during the interview this week. And you can check out this uh, DVD and or video download. You can go to ardellatraining.com forward slash learn and see this great training resource that is available right now. It is fantastic. I have it. Um, It's not too long and it's very reasonably priced. It's about uh, 40 bucks. 40 or $50, something like that. So check that out. It's fantastic. I definitely recommend it. Now, before we get started into the interview this week, I did want to bring to your attention uh, a article that I recently posted. As a matter of fact, I just posted this in the last week. And uh, this article is really important because it's something I'm asked about quite a bit. And that is, why did I leave physical therapy? Why am I a former physical therapist? So I uh, answer that question in this article. If you haven't seen it, it is titled Why I Walked Away from My Career as a Physical Therapist. I'll have a link for that in the show notes for this episode, and it's been very well received so far. I've had a lot of great feedback about that article. And as I mentioned in the article, it was actually quite painful to write, (laughs) to, to share that experience. But there it is. I put it out there. And I think there are lessons in there for everyone. So check that out. Again, a link for that in the show notes for this episode. You can find this episode online at ardellatraining.com forward slash RT214. And again, to check out that article and all the links and resources that we talk about in the show this week. Also, one last thing, make sure that uh, we connect on Instagram. You can uh, find me there at... Ardella Training. So again, just search for at Ardella Training. And again, I'll have a link for that in the show notes for this episode as well. So let's jump into the episode this week and hear from Dr. Kathy Dooley and discuss one of my favorite topics, which is anatomy for sure. And uh, stick around to the end when I ask her one of my favorite questions that I ask each and every guest. And that is, what is a book or a book that has impacted you the most, or the book that you recommend the most. She had some really uh, great uh, book recommendations at the end of the interview, so check that out. So guys, let's jump into the interview this week. I hope you enjoy it, and I will circle back at the end. All right, guys. Well, I'm excited to have Dr. Kathy Dooley join the show this week. Dr. Dooley is a chiropractor and an anatomy instructor at two New York City medical schools. She is also an adjunct professor at New York University's City of, I'm sorry, at New York University's College of Dentistry. She is a visiting professor for St. George's University 
Medical School, and she assists in the Gross Anatomy Lab at New York College of Podiatric Medicine. She is also a lead instructor for two seminar series, including the Immaculate Dissection, which you guys will learn all about here today. So I'm very excited about this interview. I love anatomy. I love to talk about anatomy. And I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And I'm excited for the audience to learn about it. So thank you so much. So as we get started, can you share a little bit more about your background? I know that what I just read really just scratches the surface. If you can share a little bit more with the audience here about your background. Oh, sure. Uh, I got my chiropractic degree from Logan in um, uh, 10 years ago, actually, in, in 2007. And uh, I was a tutor in the anatomy lab while I was at Logan. And ironically, anatomy was my worst board examination score really? uh, to date. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that I wasn't very good at something. And so um, I was asked to be a tutor. Um, my friend Ross in class, uh, he's an incredible uh, chiropractor, he had um, encouraged me to uh, be a tutor. And I said, I didn't I think I was smart enough to do it. And he was like, no, 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 we need your help. And um, I took the exam and barely passed the exam to be able to tutor. And when I graduated, I, I found myself really remiss, really thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much more to learn about anatomy. And I had went through the um, active release training, ART training, um, and all through my schooling. And I figured, wow, I really don't know anatomy as well as I should. I, I think that's really a, a huge foundation and really important. And as much as I tutored anatomy and as much as I felt like I had a good grasp on it, there was just, like you said, I was just kind of getting to the surface. And so I decided to get a master's degree. I got a master's degree at uh, New York Chiropractic College, uh, finished my thesis in, in 2009 and defended that. And uh, then stayed with the college in 2010, and they externed me to Einstein, and um, I had made a lot of contacts through that, and just decided to make anatomy education a huge part of my life, and it has made me so much of a better practitioner. It has made me a better educator in general, just being a practitioner with uh, having the anatomy instruction background, and uh, I'm just feeling very lucky to to help anyone better understand anatomy through uh, seminars that I teach and, and through classes that I teach. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk a lot about that. This is really interesting because what you just said is you really went from turning a weakness into a strength, right? Yeah, that's what I'm all about. Um, <laughs> I, 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 like a, I like a good weakness. For me, it's, uh, I like to say that it's not weakness, it's leakness. Um, there's an energy yes. leak somewhere and you have to figure out what that leak is. And, and it really, you have to face what you're not so great at and figure out why. A lot of my patients uh, need to be doing exactly what they're avoiding, and um, I, I have to get them into the thought that they can do something safely and maybe even start to enjoy it once they, uh, they free up their weaknesses. And um, that's a big part of my rehab strategy. Now, this may be a, an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. But why <laughs> is anatomy so important for the coach, the trainer, and even the serious lifter, the serious fitness enthusiast? We know it's important, obviously, for the clinician the yeah. physical therapist, the chiropractor, uh, the rehab professional? Uh, I, my two business partners are personal trainers, and I met them through basically my knowledge of anatomy and uh, my obsession with the kettlebell. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the thing I find fascinating is that trainers watch their clients move far more than any other profession, really. And they need to have the best understanding of how the system works. And when there's a flaw they have the biggest liability, right? Like they, they are watching someone move under load. 
a lot of the times, whether it's their body weight or whether it's a barbell or a kettlebell or a dumbbell. And there's a big chance that if they don't understand the way things move and the way things are supposed to, to move in unison with each other, they don't understand the anatomy and the biomechanics of what's happening. They don't know how to stop it before it, it encourages someone to get hurt. And uh, it's, it's really, it really, to me, is, is tough to see trainers who have this really great intention. They want people to be stronger and they've, ta- they've taken a, a really kind of tough job. A trainer's job is very tough. And, um, and they don't have necessarily a ton of education leading up into that training as far as anatomy and biomechanics. And uh, it's hard to know for them when something goes wrong until it goes wrong. And then, of course, the client wants to maybe blame the trainer for pushing them. So many times in my office, people have said, my trainer pushed me too hard. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I doubt that's true. Um, more of the time, it's not knowing when something even went wrong until after the pain is set in. And so it's very important for a trainer, for therapists, for all of us to have a great understanding of how the anatomy works and not just origin insertion, but how things work as a unit to centrate joints, to move through space and what's expected out of, out of each client. So do you think that for, for coaches and trainers, there's kind of this like surface level anatomy, and then there's a whole nother level, which is a really a deep level, a deep layer of anatomy. And I think that's really what, what you teach is that next level, that deep level. And so going back to the trainer scenario, you know, I, I feel like the trainers have this very surface level, you know, they know biceps and quads and things like that, sure. but it's, it's really important to go deeper than that. Um, I agree too. I think that it's easy to say, these are my quads, these are my hamstrings and not really understand, um, the axes of movement and how, uh, I hear a lot of people like stretching the quads whenever they really don't experience that much stretch in general and what even a stretch means and why why we stretch or why we shorten, why what eccentric load means, what what does it mean to to have um like strength within ranges. And um that's why immaculate dissection exists and, and why I'm so passionate to teach for neurokinetic therapy, um, because I feel like trainers get a, a bad end of the deal. I feel like they don't, they, they sometimes take a, a course, um, to get their, their NASM or to get their certification. And then they're left watching people move for the rest of their career, but not necessarily having a lot of, uh, screens or mechanisms to, to be able to say, okay, this is what should be happening during the movement. And, and sometimes that's kind of dangerous and not knowing can be as dangerous as, uh, you know, not ha- knowing how to apply what you know. So, so I would imagine then that part of the idea to create the immaculate dissection was to really bridge the gaps, to fill the gaps in the um, lack of knowledge, I guess, is the yeah. best way to describe I it, have, in anatomy. I really, I really have NKT and ART to thank. Um, I used to do the uh, anatomy dissections for ART, and I also I'm, I've been a lead instructor for neurokinetic therapy uh, with the amazing David Weinstock for uh, since 2013. So I'm in my fourth year, and what I saw all over the world on four continents basically was a discrepancy in what people know about anatomy, and even people that have had a lot of anatomy instruction, like chiropractors, have a full calendar year of anatomy dissection and instruction. And um, their knowledge was good, but still when I started asking functional questions about who goes long, who goes short, which axis is it short on, which axis is it long on, I got these looks, these faces of what the hell is she talking about? Excuse my French. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Nobody has learned functional anatomy. They, they've learned origin, search, and innervation, blood supply. And of course, we covered those very briefly. But really, we focus on how does this thing move and why do we care? Why do we care about the anatomy? Why do we, why do we care about its ranges? How do we think about things in multi-axial movement? And um, even just explaining the movement XYZ planes of sagittal coronal uh, transverse planes and describing a link tension curve. And people's faces were just... Like I, I get a little, little bit of lost face yeah, on that yeah. first hour of, of ID and, um, and definitely in NKT, I, I try to even sometimes avoid those conversations because I feel like it's too complex. And, and, um, I think that that's, what's missing. People have not learned anatomy in a way that makes it very applicable to the way that they screen and assess. Well, let's face it. I mean, anatomy is a bit overwhelming. Oh uh, yeah. When, I mean, I, my background is uh, being a physical therapist. I don't practice as a clinician anymore, but that is my background. And I did spend a year on a cadaver in, a, in an anatomy lab. Sure. But, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, like you just mentioned that, you know, aren't covered in school. And I think that, you know, watching- <laughs> no, time. No, no, no time, no curriculum. If you're lucky enough to be like I was, I was exposed to some incredible people like Dr. Brett Winchester in the St. Louis area, Missouri, um, uh, Dr. Craig Liebenson. These people have these complicated discussions, but they're at seminars because we certainly couldn't do it in a curriculum-based environment, at least not the way it's set up now, in a way that didn't make people freak out. And I like to make people uncomfortable in a way at a seminar. I like for them to realize that they don't know. Well, there's, very, there's big power and finding out what you don't know and um, and opening up that that Pandora's box and saying, "Whoa, wait a minute! Do I really even understand how the knee moves relative to the foot and hip? Do I really understand how intra-abdominal pressure is built and why it matters to assess breathing?" And uh, I, I'm finding that more and more people don't know how to do that. And so I think that we provide a very viable resource in, in ID. So you have the DVD, you have the seminar series. Let's, let's focus on the DVD to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, so this just came out. I, I, as I told you before we started recording that I just finished watching it. I thought it was fantastic, mm-hmm. but I, I did get the sense that it only scratches the surface. Tell us what's, <laughs> what's in the DVD and what's so unique about this whole approach that you and your, your partners uh, teach here. Well, we got very lucky. Um, the amazing Larie Draper of On Target Publishing, uh, she took a liking to what we were doing as far as anatomy instruction through movement and through body painting. And um, she, she really thought that it was very interesting that we did corrective exercises and, and gave people some tools to be able to to, to feel their anatomy and put, put it into their body and to, to understand how it carries over into an, um, exercise instruction, rehab instruction. And so she asked us to do a teaser uh, DVD. She was like, okay, um, what would you like to do for this? And I was like, well, why don't we take from all three existing ID levels, one, two, and three, one core concepts, two lower extremity concepts, three upper extremity concepts. Let's take one basic muscle out of each, one concept out of each, and then tie it all together with a basic like lunge or like what we call the initiation phase of gait. Let's just tie all that in together and, and show that um, how much the anatomy does matter and how it ties into to one functional unit. And she loved the idea. Uh, we filmed it um, uh, earlier this year and then made it available via DVD for people to kind of see what we have to offer in our seminars. And you're right. It does, it's a very minor scratch of the surface. It's one muscle from each of the 
of levels and there's 15 hours of instruction for each level. So you can imagine how much yeah. <laughs> anatomy is covered. And I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm sad that people get scared of anatomy and then decide that they don't want to learn it. That what they have learned on the surface is enough and they're going to continue to do what they do. And that makes me a little bummed because um, anatomy for me, the, the understanding of it has been such a big player in my role as a clinician and, and how much better it's made me. I, I look at someone's gait and I don't have to guess. I look at someone's lunge and I don't have to guess what the problem is. I, I can see it pretty clearly. And a lot of that has to do with my experience with anatomy, not just in the lab, but really thinking about the anatomy, like from a, a very functional way. Yeah. Again, I think you guys did a great job. And just so the audience knows, you covered the internal abdominal oblique, the external yes. abdominal oblique, uh, serratus anterior and iliacus. And yes. I, I was going to ask why these four muscles and you just explained why, and that makes perfect sense. Now you don't yeah. like, you don't like the term iliopsoas. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're actually in different levels. Like the psoas is part of our core concepts course. And iliacus is part of the lower extremity course because, um, well, as we know, uh, psoas is an extrinsic core muscle uh, with no direct attachments to the pelvis unless you have a psoas minor. And then uh, the iliacus uh, has no direct attachments uh, to the lumbar spine. It has an attachment only via the iliolumbar ligament, making it a limb muscle. And so um, they're very, very separate muscles with separate innervations. Uh, they share hip flexion and a little bit of external rotation, and they do uh, have separate tendons that do attach to the lesser trochanter, but they are not the same muscle. <laughs> <Got> <laughs> not at all. Kathy, what was the turning point for you when things started to click with anatomy? Kind of going back to you know not making this stuff overwhelming. You know, mm -hmm. what, what was it for you? Was it repetition? Was it what made it click? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, it was a, a huge level of commitment. Um, I believe very staunchly in facing what you're not good at. And I was really not good at anatomy. It's very hard for people to believe. They always say, oh my gosh, I'm never going to know anatomy as well as Kathy Dooley. And I'm like, that's ridiculous because I knew it way worse than you did at the stage that you're at. And it, it's hard for them to believe that because it sounds like conjecture, but it's not. I mean, I have my board scores to prove it. <laughs> so um, I, I think that what popped for me was a very huge commitment. Very few people are willing to leave their clinical practice as I did for three years and to completely dive head first into anatomy. It was very hard for me. Um, in 2007, I was hearing about my colleagues starting all their jobs and they would send me emails and like to give me phone calls and say how great it was to be in clinical practice. And here I was, you know, six or seven hours a night with a cadaver, you know, and, and picking it apart. And and there, there came a, a trust tree with myself. I knew in my heart and really deep within the 99% of neurotransmitters that are in my gut, I, I knew that what I was doing was the right thing. And I dove in and I faced the fact that I didn't know this well enough and I needed to help other people know it better. And um, it starts to trickle. I used to fall asleep with Grey's Anatomy, the British version, the heavy version, wow. in my lap every night. I sometimes cried myself to sleep because I didn't know this stuff well enough and I was very scared that I was not going to do a good job. Um, 2007 to 2008 was a very tough year for me because I just did not feel good enough. And I think a lot of people don't want to face that. They don't want to face the fact that they don't know this well enough and so they just never learn it. 
they just never learn it. They just said, no, I know it well enough and that's going to be good enough for me. And then they do themselves a disservice by not understanding it. If they're going to be working in training, if they're going to be working in, in manual therapy, if they're going to be even working as a surgeon, uh, I think that they have to know this anatomy well. And when I met Dr. Ralph Gurr in 2008, and he inspired me to keep this anatomy knowledge going. He looked at me in the face, this 90-year-old man who invented the hernia stat. He basically revolutionized plastic surgery with muscle reposition. And he, he looks at this chiropractor, this young chiropractor, and says, you know, you have to keep this going. It, it's, it's on you because yeah. I'm going to be gone pretty soon. He was gone a year later. He's like, I'm going to be gone pretty soon, and uh, I need you to carry this on because people don't know their anatomy enough. Surgeons don't know it enough. People are, are, are really hurting because – the, the doctors uh, don't know their anatomy. And he was just talking about surgeons. And I was like, whoa, if surgeons don't know their anatomy, who knows their anatomy? Right. Um, and I got pretty scared. And so I was like, you know what? I, I have to really commit to this. And it's been a 10-year commitment, day in, day out. Yeah. There's not a single day I take off from my anatomy education. I study every day. And, um, after 10 years, you get pretty good at something. And I, I think that, and I'm still not satisfied with what I know, by the way, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I have any kind of ego with it because I don't like, I find new things out every day and I'm like, Whoa, man, I really have to study more. And I, I want you to know that when you feel overwhelmed by something, you, that's pretty much a good sign that you should be attacking it with some, with some attention. What, what do you what do, do you, on a daily, on a daily uh, uh practice? What is your daily rituals for studying anatomy? Um, a lot of it's through my patients. Like I, I, um, I educate them and I treat them as if they're my students and they're very used to that. Like I don't pussyfoot around the anatomy. I'm very technical. And I say, this is pronation. This is supination. These are the three phases that have supination. This is pronation. This is what happens. And they're like pronation. And you should hear my patients. They say, you know, I don't feel like my foot is pronating. Or I don't feel like my diaphragm is depressing during inhalation. This is, these are the kinds of things that they say. And they don't have anatomy backgrounds. Uh, they've gravitated towards me and I've provided something for them. And in a very different way as a clinician, I, I want to make them very responsible for their own bodies and for their own education of how it works. And so I teach, I treat everyone like they're a student. So all day I, I look into to, to encouraging them to learn the anatomy that way. And when I feel like I don't understand something, you know, I have anatomy texts lining my walls. And they're right there on my desk. And I, I pull the book out and look things up. If I have a break between patients, I look things up. And um, I don't have to look up as much as I used to, for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I use the education of my patients as a huge one. And then, of course, if I'm teaching at one of the schools, there's just constant reference. My, my colleagues that know anatomy really, really well, the ones that have been teaching for 40 years, you know what's amazing about them, Scott? What's that? They still look stuff up. They're always pulling stuff off the walls. They're always walking over to Grey's Anatomy. Surgeons with 60 years of experience walk over and look things up. And I learned from watching that. that they, they have no hubris. They are not afraid to look things up. And so when you let go of, of the fact that it's okay, you can still be a professional and not know everything. It's called practice for a reason. We're in practice. <laughs> Right. You know, right. yeah. and um, when, when you let that go, I mean, I work with a lot of colleagues that especially at Einstein, they have no ego at all. Yeah. And yeah. they walk right over and look things up. And, and so I think you have to constantly look things up and you have to constantly think in anatomic terms. Yes. When I watch somebody walk in the subway, I'm looking for overpronation of the talonavicular joint. I'm looking for do they have a, a contralateral hip height? You know, I'm, I'm looking at some of those things. And, and uh, once you have your focus set 
on, on looking and learning anatomy, you learn it. So I think that's really interesting because, you know, teaching is certainly one of the best ways to learn, you know, because, yeah. Um, and the other part of that is I think what you said is that, you know, we all go back to the textbooks and I mean, really no one knows everything. And that's why, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to, you know, be humbled, you know, don't let our ego get in the way and go back and look something up. If you don't know it, I think that's, that's fantastic. And anatomy is such an incredibly, uh, I don't want to say complex, but it's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. You mentioned um, books there and kind of going back to the books. Is there a book, an anatomy book that, that you like? It, I'm sure that you probably have a ton of anatomy books yes. as, I, as I do. I literally have a stack sitting on my desk right now that I pulled out kind of looking through your immaculate dissection video and I pulled out, I must have 10, uh, I think it's actually more than that anatomy books. Is there one in particular that you like that is that you use a lot and it's very simple that you think would be valuable for other people? Uh, I get asked this question probably at least weekly. Um, <laughs> and I, I tell people the best anatomy text is the one that you're using. And um, I think that you can have the best book on the world. And if it sits on the shelf and never gets opened, you can't learn anything from it. And uh, the majority of anatomy texts out there are pretty good. They're all, they all have discrepancies. So that part's hard. Um, British Grays is my go-to and most people don't want to invest in a $200 book, but it is, it is the gold standard of anatomy. Um, Grant's Atlas is unbelievable. The Tima Atlas, it's silver and blue. Um, the spelled T H I E M E. That's a really good Atlas to have. We think pretty fondly of the immaculate dissection manuals. They're pretty good for functional anatomy. Um, it, it's, it's always kind of disturbing when, you know, you talk to a colleague and, and you're asking about like someone that really knows anatomy and you're asking about abduction of the great toe and how it affects contralateral hip movement. And they're like, I don't think of anatomy like that. And so I, I would tell you that if you're studying anatomy, study it, study, you know, origin, search and innovation, blood supply, all those things, but then apply it. When you watch someone move through a deadlift, when you watch someone move through a, a squat, What's actually supposed to be happening there? Like, what is actually? What am I looking at? How are they? How are the limbs different from side to side? How is uh, the body positioned? I think that uh, some of my DNS training helped with that. I, I'm still very new to, to dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, but it's really helped me look at the neural developmental patterns. I've looked at that and studied the atlases and how that applies to the way the child develops. So I look at child developmental markers; those help me a lot. And um, Again, like an application, the essential anatomy is great. Um, I started writing for uh, an anatomy app, and so that will be all, you know, release uh, information about that soon. Um, the again, they're all really good, but they're none of them are going to be worth anything to you if you're not using them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a just great use idea. anything, pick up anything. <laughs> Trial guide to the human body. That's great. You know, it's great for not only beginners, but for everybody. Open it up and commit to a page a day, a muscle a day, a ligament a day, a bone a day, anything. And it accumulates after 365 days, boom, you are 365 degrees smarter than you were before about the anatomy. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, what are the top maybe two to three steps? And so someone that's listening and they, they don't have an, any anatomy training you know, what would be the most important steps for them? And I think, I think you really kind of summarize that as, you know, maybe find a book 
and start digging in and maybe, you know, read a page a day, spend a little bit of time each and every day, you know, learning and, and putting things into practice too. Yeah, I, I found it really interesting. I got an email a couple of days ago. Someone was asking me about sacral movement during the swing phase of gait. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's interesting. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, a very minute amount of, of movement. And I was like, why are you asking? He was like, oh, because I, you know, have this hip hike, shoulder hike issue. And, he, and I was like, wait a minute, whoa. Sometimes the micro is not as good as the macro. He, I think, had forgotten to look at just the big picture of how things move. So a great way to study anatomy is not going too minutely detailed, but look at how things move together in space as a unit. It might be as easy as this ankle that was sprained in 2000 doesn't move very well. And since then, I've had contralateral shoulder discomfort, linking those things together and how they move and gait. Or, you know, I, I got hurt doing a bench press. You know, I lack mid-back extension. Why? Maybe I need to focus on that before I return to the bench. Thinking of anatomy and movement is a really, really nice way to learn anatomy. It's not just about opening an atlas and studying an atlas. It's about applying it to things that you care about. Yeah, and I think you guys really touched on that in the, uh, the DVD as well, you know, talking about the scapula problems. For example, scapula winging uh, mm-hmm. may be tied into the trunk. You know, and, and the, the muscles sure. that, that you talked about there, the intrinsic and intrinsic muscles and everything that you covered um, in that DVD. So thinking big picture, like you said, and how everything is interconnected and ties together. So. Yeah, most people try to do scapular winging. They try to just work on the scapula. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. What if the, the scapula is moving on this, this thorax that doesn't move freely? And um, a lot of times, uh, if it's a bilateral issue, it's an abdominal stability issue anyway. So you need to be focusing on the core and, um, the, um, people get a little bit too micro. They look at a shoulder problem and just look at the shoulder and they don't look at the whole unit. Kathy, who, who typically attends the immaculate dissection, uh, seminars? Wow. That's a good question too, because, um, it's, it's been a little bit more limited to the rehab community. And I, I've been a little bummed by that because I wanted to see more personal trainers there and I wanted to see more people in the medical environments. We've had some dentists. We had um, podiatrists. Um, we have uh, a lot of PTs and massage therapists and some chiropractors, which has been really nice to see because I'd like to see more people doing chiropractic rehab. Uh, we can bill for it. We should be doing it. And um, the... There, there have been some acupuncturists, actually, you know, Dr. Anna Fulcomer, one of our lead instructors um, and our chief administrator is a uh, doctor of, of acupuncture and oriental medicine. And so that's been really nice to see. Um, it's not limited to anyone. And people ask me all the time, do you have to know anatomy before you come in? And I'm like, you're lucky if you don't. <laughs> um, it honestly, um, so don't be, you know, we don't want you to be intimidated. We record the entire course for you too, and put it on Vimeo. So it's available to you afterwards. So basically you just come and show up and learn. And if you want to go watch the seminar, you can watch it until you die. (laughs) It's really there for you forever. And what we're trying to provide is just a a type of anatomy instruction that's different. So talk about the actual, uh, courses. So there's different levels, there's core. Okay. Can you walk us through the, the different levels and what each level contains? Yeah. So, um, level one is a core concept. So it's all, uh, the intrinsic abdominal stability and extrinsic abdominal stability muscles. Um, so basically trunk musculature for the most part, um, the, uh, lower extremity concepts is uh, lower extremity anatomy, basically pelvis down. Um, the, 
Um, we don't go into the intricate nature of the foot, but we do everything that's in the crural compartments and as far as uh, what they do for foot movement, but we don't do the intrinsic foot. Okay. Um, the uh, level three ex- uh, upper extremity, which has been weirdly our most popular one so far. Like people love it. Our feedback on the forums is like, this is my favorite one yet. And <laughs> my favorite's core concepts, but because um, I love teaching breathing and, and, and uh, the different types of it that you can do in the assessments, but people love the upper extremity. I'm like, okay, I, I don't mind. I love teaching upper. Um, and the upper extremity is everything, uh, scapula out the Got digits. It. I can see why that would be a popular course. Cause I, the shoulder, uh, the shoulder, the scapula is incredibly fascinating. So yeah, we spend a lot of time on scapular movement and where we think a lot of people focus, they hyper-focus on glenohumeral movement uh, glenohumeral movement is a complete slave to scapulothoracic movement. So we spend a lot of time talking about serratus anterior, levator trap, uh, the relationships with that function, and and being able to set the scapula so the glenohumeral joint has a shot at moving well. How long is the are these courses, and what is the feedback when it's over? So at the end of the seminar, what are most people saying about their experience? Um. It's, it's been really positive. It's been blatantly positive. We haven't had a lot of negative feedback, to be honest. Um, other than the overwhelming nature that's any course, I think, um, I think that people go to a course and they hit, get hit with 15 hours of instruction. It's a weekend instruction. Um, so basically nine to five both days, give or take a half an hour. And, um, it's a lot, it's a lot of anatomy, but, um, it's only the uh, initial exposure to it. And um, we have a really nice forum online where people can ask questions and access Vimeos and they can post patient cases if, with the patient's permission, of course, or client cases and get some feedback and some, some advice from the peanut gallery of, of the ID family. And uh, it's been really, really nice to see people contribute. Um, we're still very much in the beginning stages, but uh, we really like where it's going. The questions are very pertinent. Um, the assessments we think are really, really good. And we love teaching the corrective exercise and getting people shouting out what's actually happening with the joints, what's actually happening with the muscles as they're doing simple things that are basic, like, um, scapular stability drills or mobility drills for the hip. And we have you like talking about the anatomy of who's long, who's short on which axis. And, um, it's been really, really, really fun. Um, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, and, uh, we think the, the one that, one of the biggest compliments I've heard is that it makes everything else I do better. Nice. That's something that I hear a lot of, because we're not trying to replace anybody's like assessment techniques. Um, I use several different assessment techniques and ID just creates a part of that makes me better at all of them. makes me better at NKT, makes me better at DNS, makes me better at SFMA, makes me better at chiropractic. And, um, that's all we want to do is, is help you use anatomy to make what you do more efficient, um, and make you more at ease in what you're seeing. Do you think that, uh, the, the fitness industry, I mean, are, are we thinking wrong um, about anatomy? And I guess what I'm asking is, are we underemphasizing how important it is? Yes. Um, I, I won't name his name, but I went to someone who I really, really respect one of his seminars and, uh, he downplayed anatomy and it made me really sad. Uh, I never forgot that moment where he was like, you know, stop trying to to use anatomy to explain things. And I'm like, that's the only way I know how to explain things. <laughs> right. And, um, wow. and I, I opened my mind up to hear what he had to say. And I just couldn't see why knowing anatomy would hurt someone. And it doesn't in my humble opinion. Um, I think that, um, it can only make someone better. I think people downplay it because it's hard. Right. And, um, I don't know. Um, from, 
I, I really like being challenged by things. I like being challenged by the deadlift. I like being challenged by the pull-up. I like being challenged by the steel that I bend. I like being challenged in life. I like when people debate with me. I find it really fun. Um, I think that it's okay to be challenged by something. And I think that it's so difficult and kind of poorly understood globally that that's why it's not focused on. You know, we talked about earlier, I was asking about kind of the surface level versus deep level. And so a deep level is really, you know, knowing the origin, insertion, action, blood supply is knowing all of that for the entire muscular system. Is it really, is it important? Yes, it, it's crucial because um, an origin insertion is going to determine the action of a muscle on the axes. And so, yeah, that origin insertion is foundational. You have to know that. It's, it's really important. And not maybe this absolute specifics of every single tiny little attachment, right. but a global perspective of where things start and end. That's crucial. Innervation is extremely crucial. Um, that's part of our later courses in ID. We talk about a neurological impingement. Because a lot of people don't understand that a hip mobility issue in internal rotation is because there's an L5 instability. And so they're doing hip mobility drills to try to get internal rotation. And they're not going to get it unless the lumbar spine is stable because that's a neurological issue. Um, and um, then blood supply is probably the least talked about thing. And if something is shut down on blood supply, um, things become hypoxic, then ischemic, and then necrose. And so a lot of times, um, calcific issues are due to like this, you know, non-ability to be able to properly circulate. And so circulation is a really important thing to know. Um, and, um, the action of course comes with the origin insertion. Yeah. It's foundational to know origin insertion, innervation, blood supply and action. Yes. Um, where I don't think it should stop there because I think that people look at, let me look at the internal rotators of the hip. And then let me look at the external rotators of the hip. And they just look at that and then just think of them being antagonistic when sometimes they are synergistic in other planes. And they just, their the thoughts become a little bit too linear when you just focus on them as separate units that are grouped together. Like, like uh, these are the superior gluteal muscles that internally rotate. These are the adductors that contribute to adduction. And they don't really think about how they move together as a family. And that's where things get hung up. But yes, origin insertion, innervation, blood supply action are pretty foundational and um, it really important to know. That's why they're taught. So what would be your would best, be your advice, best advice, advice to really learn these things? And again, I'm just going back to like physical therapy school and, you know, some of it I felt like was, you know, you're trying to memorize it for the purpose of a test and then, you know, but that practical application doesn't necessarily always stick. And mm -hmm. so, so how do we make it stick is, is my question. I think the only way to make it stick is make it applicable to you. Um, that's why I think I know anatomy pretty well at this point, or at least have a, a nice, a nice start on it is, um, because I apply it to every single patient, every single visit, I apply it to myself in every single training session. And, um, when I'm observing, I apply it to every part of my observation and um, I think that's what's missing. It's not a course that you binge and purge information. Anatomy is not like that, um, for me at least. Anatomy is such an important part uh, of what I do that it makes all the assessments make sense. For me, every orthopedic test is anatomically based. Every assessment is anatomically based. Every motion and gait and lunging and squatting and neural development is anatomy based. And um, neurologically based as well. And I think that if you don't start to dive in and apply it 
to your practice? Maybe it just starts with you watching someone do a pull-up and what's supposed to be happening. What, why does it not go well for that client? Why are they not good at the pull-up? Is it because, you know, you don't know how to coach it or is it because they are really as weak as they seem? And to me, there is no weakness. Like you have the potential to do anything that, like I ask the person what their goal is and I start to apply the anatomy to the goal. Do they have the ability to get abdominal stability in a hollow to initiate? Do they have the scapular stability to be able to set it against the thorax to be able to initiate pull? And then do they have a good lever force to pull themselves up to the bar? All of that's anatomy. So I think it really comes down to, and I, I love that because I think what it comes down to is thinking more critically about movement and really yes. bringing in you know, this textbook information and thinking about the, the clinical, the practical relevance of that in movement. That's all I want. <laughs> nice. nice. Until, until I die. That's all I want. That's, that's the <laughs> legacy I want to leave. And you know, I'm going to leave this world like everyone else does. And I, I really rest very easy at night because I know I give a full day of really trying to help in any kind of way I can with not the, not the minimizing of struggle, but the maximizing of proficiency. And I, I want people to struggle like I struggled because I learned a lot from my struggle, but I want them to do it in a very efficient way, in a very proficient way. And if I can help by just pointing out, making something, you know, very lucid about the anatomic relationships with movement, then I'll do it. What's a rookie mistake in learning anatomy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a great question. I, I think that what my students often do is only learning what happens when things are short. And when I ask them what, what's eccentrically loaded right now and, and on which axis, they fry out. It happens at every single immaculate dissection seminar. I'll say, who's, <laughs> I'll put somebody in <laughs> shoulder abduction. I'm like, who's long? And the, like, there's like a freeze moment because yeah. people only learn what happens when things are short. And they only learn what happens on all three axes as if you move on all three axes at the same time. So they'll tell me like the TFL is... Uh, a flexor, an abductor, an internal rotator, and a knee extensor, right? They'll tell me all those things and I'll, I'll do a motion for them and say, is TFL long or short on which axis? And they will pause for a good three minutes before I'll get a solid answer. Right. I mean, it goes back to that critical thinking and yes. I, I, you know, this forces you to think in three dimensions. You know? And let me tell you, people move <laughs> in three dimensions, at yeah. least as far as we know. So uh, if you're screening a client or assessing a patient, you had better understand what's happening in three dimensions. Yep. So where do people go to, uh, learn more about immaculate dissection and what are the seminars for the rest of the year? Where, where are they? I guess I should. Oh, uh, we have tons. Um, uh, a lot this summer. We have uh, three sets just in July alone. Um, in July, we go to Toronto the first, uh, second weekend in July. Um, we go to Taiwan, which were very popular in Taiwan. I, I can't explain why. Uh, I think maybe because they're extremely studious and they don't have any ego. <laughs> they're amazing. Uh, they're some of the best students I've seen come out of Taiwan. Um, I'm really impressed by their attention during a seminar and their respect during a seminar. Um, we do levels one, two, and three there in July. And then we do level one again in St. Louis when we get back. So we're pretty jam-packed in July. Um, and then, um, we, in December, we do a uh, level three again here in, um, in New York and all the seminar dates are on immaculate And they're also on our Facebook page. If you don't already like our Facebook page, you probably should. All the events are there under our calendar. 
and uh, we post things nearly every day. I think it's every other day about anatomy, and uh, I post a lot of my anatomy angels on there. And so um, definitely want to get the the ball rolling as far as research discussions, uh, our clinical experiences, our empirical evidence of what's happening during in the room with anatomy, and uh, we'd love for you to participate and share. Excellent. And also the um, Larise website, otpbooks.com, has the uh, DVD that I, that I have. I mm-hmm. think that's around 50 bucks. And again, it's a, a sampling of what it is that you guys do. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's only about 90 minutes. Um, so you can sit down and you know, watch it in one setting. So I, I watched it through. I'm actually going to go through it again and, and take some notes on it this time. Um, <laughs> I was really curious as to what it was because I hadn't seen any of it before, Kathy. Okay. So this was my first kind of exposure to it. So I was very curious about it. So I just wanted to just sit and watch it. And, uh, you know, phenomenal because it brings anatomy to life and really puts it in a very functional perspective. And I like how you, you know, you get in the positions to feel, you know, what these muscle contractions are like, and it's just really well done. So your team. Oh, we really appreciate that. We appreciate your support. Um, and if 50 bucks is too much for people or if people don't have a DVD player anymore, which has, it, it is actually happening. Um, <laughs> right. uh, there is a, a digital downloadable copy for 10 bucks cheaper. So yep, that's true. if you want to bite that bullet, um, and then if you have questions, feel free to email me. My email never changes. It's drkathydooley at gmail.com. And, um, I would love to field any of your questions. And your personal website is? Um, it's Dr. Dooley noted. So D R Dooley, uh, D O O L E Y noted.com. Excellent. Uh, two more questions here and then I will let you go. So the question yeah. I ask all guests is what's the book that has impacted you the most or the book that you recommend the most. This doesn't have to be an anatomy book. It can be a book in any area. Oh God, I get asked this a lot. I think I get a different <laughs> answer every time. Um, like, is it non-movement or movement? Uh, anything, any, any book that has really had an impact on you or you think other people should read? Oh gosh. I think my favorite book of all time is uh, flowers for Algernon, which I think any, any intellectual should read. If anyone's interested in why the intellect may or may not matter that, and that is a, a book to, to definitely read. What is it called um, again? Flowers for Algernon. Okay. Um, it's fantastic. It's a very easy read. Um, you can thank me later, Scott. Um, <laughs> but my, probably my favorite book is The Mighty Adam um, yeah. about uh, Joe Greenstein. Um, he was uh, basically about my height, about my weight, and he was a strongman competitor. And, uh, or not strongman competitor. He was just a strongman. Um, he was a Coney Island um, uh, strongman and he's done incredible feats of strength and all with just dedication and in the mind. Um, uh, I've never been so inspired by a book. And so he had done, th- done things that were seemingly impossible and made them very probable. And he was very into the fact that he was not special and that it, it, a lot of focus with a lot of focus, you can do the absolute improbable and make it very, very probable for yourself. And, um, that whenever I, if I have moments where I kind of get down on myself, if I, if I can't hit a PR or if I'm just kind of like, Oh man, I can't seem to unleash my mental strength. Um, I reread that it always inspires me. Um, and so that that's probably my favorite. Wow. That's, that's great. I've heard or, or seen that book somewhere. 
Uh, Mighty it, Adam may have been on yeah. my Facebook feed. Okay. I love that book. And when I, when I reread it, I always post a picture of me rereading it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. Uh, there's a, so many great books, but those sure, are the two sure. I think that really stand out to me on my shelf that I, that I go back to very often. Excellent. That, that's one of my favorite questions to ask in all these interviews. I, I have to ask one. that. And then the, the, fi- <laughs> the final question is, what is the number one takeaway action for the audience after they hear this interview? Takeaway action. I mean, definitely we would love for you to stop by the Facebook page or stop by the website and take a look at what we're doing. Um, you can read my article. I'm happy to supply you a link to it um, for um, OTP on why I think anatomy matters, why you should be learning it. Um, it's a free article. You should definitely take a look and maybe it'll inspire you to start studying again. What, uh, what I find so sad is that uh, people's anatomy atlases, they spend a hundred bucks on them and they sit on a shelf forever, right. uh, dust it off, you know, get it down again and, uh, you know, learn your anatomy again. It matters a lot. Yeah. That resonates with me because I can tell you that I have one of those expensive anatomy books on my shelf and uh, I I can, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. So let's go back to that as a takeaway action being to read the article that you wrote and I will attach a link for that specific article in the show notes for this episode. So that's the takeaway action. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you for your great work. Uh, your passion is incredible, by the way. I, I did want to make sure I mentioned that because in watching the Immaculate Dissection um, DVD, actually it is on video. I did download it. It's not a physical DVD. It's the downloadable video. But your passion is incredible in teaching. So I wanted to make sure that I Thank commended you, so you for that. Much. That's awesome. Thank awesome. you. It's, it's definitely not going to stop anytime soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kathy. All right, guys. So that is a wrap for episode 214. Once again, I highly recommend the DVD or digital video of the Immaculate Dissection. It is truly a great resource for all of us. And you can find that at ardellatraining.com forward slash learn. And you're also going to see so many other outstanding educational resources at this website, the website by Larie Draper, which I recommend to everyone because it is such a phenomenal resource for educational training about strength performance and and so much more you're going to see what i mean when you see the website if you haven't been there already so thanks for listening guys and i will see you next week here on the podcast so many other great interviews coming your way and so many great topics to cover here in the future i'll see you again soon and uh take care guys 